Okay, so um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Genesis 1. Let's get rolling. All right. Hey, anybody do anything cool this weekend? Anybody? Shout it out. Alex? Okay. So far, dog sat is the bar. And can anyone... Can anyone surpass dog sitting? <laughs> the the best thing anyone did this weekend. You went back roading. I'm pretty sure every road you take in Nacogdoches is back roading. <laughs> okay, we're still at dog sitting. <laughs> Can anyone beat dog sitting? <laughs> went to a wedding. Oh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Anyone else? Did anyone do anything? <laughs> game night. Oh, that was good. Game night's good. Game night surpasses dog sitting. <laughs> you had a good run, Alex. <laughs> Y'all are awesome. All right. This was our chill weekend. All right. Genesis 1. Oh, I love you all so much. Okay. I remember when I first uh, when I first was in college, you know, back when the dinosaurs roamed, and whenever I was in college, and Kendall Kendall spent like three months in Genesis one through three, and it blew my mind. I'm like, these are three chapters of the Bible. God created the world, sin entered. Genesis four, like, <laughs> come on, and he spent three months in Genesis one through three, and I was just. What are you doing? Like, yes, we got to, there's a lot more of this Bible. This is the rate we're going. We're not going to make it. And uh, I kind of can see it on the back end now because what God does in the first three uh, chapters of the Bible, he really paints a picture of how humanity is supposed to function and how, what are the, um, the realities that we're supposed to live in? What are the inward realities and what are the outward realities? And my mind was kind of blown to that growing up. Growing up, I just thought, that Genesis 1, 2, and 3 was like, hey, God created the world, and that's what you're supposed to know. Um, and don't believe evolution. Like, that's what I always was told growing up. And so to come back in on the backside and say, hey, Genesis 1 through 3 is really about, like, how God created the world to optimally function. And we really should look at that, how the original design of the earth was if we're going to know what it means to live in a world that God's made and how to live in that properly. So my mind's kind of been blown since then. Um, Let's go ahead and start in verse 25, okay, in chapter 1. So Genesis 1, we all know it. God created the heavens and the earth. We saw there are two things. There was, there's creator and, what's the second thing? Creator and creation. All right, there we go. So God is creator, so therefore everything else is considered. Everything else is considered. There we go. Good morning. Yes, hello. All right, so God is creator. Everything else is creation. So that means there's a rightful place for God in society, and there's a rightful place for creation in society. And that creator is always greater than creation. We even talked about because God is creator, creation uh, will understand its meaning by looking to its creator. We're going to get a little bit more to that. Um, But today, I'm really struck by this idea of why did God create man? Um, 
Are any of y'all deep thinkers? Like you like thinking about deep things? Like you just sit in your room and you're like contemplating the cosmos. Anybody deep? Or anyone just hate deep thinking? Okay. All right. There we go. Um, so sometimes if you ever wonder and like sit in your room and go, man, why did God even create man? Um, have you guys ever thought this question? Why does God create humanity? Couldn't God just, you know, if we're going to fall and there's going to be sin in the world, why does God even bother creating us? And if, uh, if God was already worshipped by the angels, why does he create us? Because he already was worshipped. And I don't really understand what our part is. You guys ever had those thoughts? Some of y'all, yes. Some of y'all, no. That's a brand new thought of mine. Um, but we're going to kind of ask this question in a very simple, not complex idea. But why do we exist? Why are we here? And I don't mean just, uh, well, boy, why do you exist? Like, I exist to bring God glory. Thank you. No, we're going to look at it a little bit more deeply um, to this. So in Genesis 1, we see when God first creates humanity. Now, remember, it's not just that he creates humanity. It's the structure that he creates humanity. It's the reality that he creates humanity in. So in Genesis 1, we're going to read 25 through 31. Okay? So this is the sixth day of creation. And here's what he says. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. That's key. Everything was good. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And, every, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree within seed and in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. And it was the sixth day. So God views creation as what? Good. It's perfect, completely wholesome. It's good. So I want you all to look at verse 27. In your Bible, does it look different? Like, is there different indentions and spacings for verse 27? So let me tell you just a little hint here. When it's indented like that, that means that it's actually um, poetry. So it's a poetic nature that it says that God creates man in his own image, in the image of him who created him, male and female. So he is telling a story. He's doing a narrative in the other verses. They're more paragraph-based. But as soon as you break the indentions, you guys will see this a lot in the Psalms. When you read the Psalms, you see how it matches that format. What they're doing there is it's saying, hey, this is poetry. Read it as poetry. Okay? Just a little useful tip. No one really taught me that growing up. And then some dude was like, you don't know this? And I was like, no. So here you go. It's poetry. You're welcome. Um, so what do we have here? God creates the world and everything is good. Then, so God creates beasts, God creates plants, the sun and the moon, the stars, the water. He creates everything, and it's good. It's perfect. And so, 
it is completely ideal how the Lord wants it to be. It is how God intended for it to be. And God is looking across it and he sees that it's good. The best way I can understand this, and men you'll understand this, is when you mow the grass and it looks perfect, I kind of look back and go, ah, this looks nice. And I kind of just go like this and go, yeah, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to go inside. Uh, ladies may not understand that, but men, they totally get that. You, you've been out there for three hours and finally the edging looks right and you go, and it was good. And you go inside. And so and Jesus is looking at his hard work at his labor and he goes, it's good. It's good. And he says, so let's make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. So God makes us in uh, when God originally creates mankind, I have to wonder, what did he originally intend for us to, to be? Who did he intend us to be? I always jump to what did he intend us to do? Um, but guys, we are human beings, not human, human doings. So it's who did he intend for us to be? Um, so I asked this question, and the very first thing that says, he says, Let, let's make man in our image. The very first thing that it says about the creation of man in the entire scripture is that he's made in the image of God. So you can obviously see the Trinity there as well. Uh, I don't want to get into that huge, but he says, let's let us make man in our image. You see that God, the father's present at creation. And if you actually look in Colossians, you can see that Jesus Christ was present at creation. And we can also see that the Holy Spirit was present at creation. And so all three parts of the Trinity are active at the moment of creation. And that's who he's talking to when he says, let us make man in our image. He's talking to the Trinity, triune God. He says, let's make man in our image after our likeness. Have y'all ever wondered what the, the thought of made in the image of God sounds like? Have y'all ever thought of that? So when I was a kid, I was like, well, I guess God has blonde hair and uh, is, you know, likes corny jokes. Like, I don't know, like, what... But then you, like, see someone else, you're like, who doesn't look like you. You're like, okay, so God doesn't look just like me. Um, so it doesn't mean my physical nature. Well, no. Uh, okay, well, it means that God thinks like I do. Uh, you know, I think kind of like God. Have you ever met anyone that thinks 100% differently than you do? Have you ever had a roommate? Like, you, we think 100% differently, right? So it's not just our, our mental. Okay, well, what about our spirituality? okay. There's a, you can make a case there that man was created to be filled by the Spirit of God. And so if we're made in his image, that means every man has this, um, this opportunity to be filled by the Spirit of God. You can make a strong case there. You can make a strong case. You know, I really think that it's less um, physical and um, outward. I think it's less outward. I think it's less man looks like this, so God must look like this. Um, I think it's a lot more to do with how we act. And I want to kind of take a look at that. But before we do, I did a little word study on what it means to say, let us make man in our image. Let me tell you about some, what I found. So that same word is used a couple times in the book of Genesis. Um, in Genesis 5.3, it says that Seth, who is the third son of Adam and Eve, Seth was made in the image of Adam. And it's the same word, image. So Seth is made in the image of his father. Now, the best way that I could say this is when y'all look at Owen, you, do you see that I'm his dad? Yes. Okay. No one, no one sees me and Owen and says, they're clearly not related. Like everyone's fully aware that we are related. So Owen is made in the image 
of me. And I'm not trying to boast myself up. It's just look at the guy. So, um, yeah, sorry, buddy. Uh, so he's made in the image of me. Is Owen his own person? Is Owen his own person? Yes. Okay, y'all. Good morning. All right. If, if Owen is his own person and I'm my own person, yet Owen's made in the image of me. Right? So when you look at Owen, you can see a resemblance of me. Right? And to be honest, if you look at me, you can probably see a resemblance of Owen. Um, so that's how the first way it's used in Genesis 5.3. Sometimes this word image is actually used to discuss phantoms or ghosts. It's like the spirit of someone else. And other times it's used to describe an idol that was made. Um, And so think about the times that um, someone was sacrificing to a false idol. They created a carved image. That image is the same word there. So it's, it's a actual, a physical thing that resembles a spiritual reality. So it's a physical um, sculpture that is significant because it resembles the spiritual God. It's a lowercase g. It's a false God, right? But they they believe that this God is there. Now, why is that important here? Well, if we see that Seth was made in the image of Adam and that sometimes the images are used um, to show us false gods and to show us what a false God can be, So when God says that man is made in the image of God, what does this look like? And I think it means a couple things. And before I kind of tell you what I think it means, I have this cool video uh, by a guy named N.T. Wright. And we're going to show it here in a second. N.T. Wright, he's got a cool accent, all right? So the first 30 seconds, you're like, well, he's a great accent. We're just going to get that out of the way. He has a cool accent. Um, Brilliant brilliant, brilliant mind, brilliant thinker. Um, his denomination, they'll call him the right reverend. Uh, it's has nothing to him being right or wrong. It's just a denominational thing. I want y'all to listen to this video and what does it mean to be an image bearer? So when we say made in the image of God, another way to say that is you're an image bearer, that you bear the image of someone else. When you look at Owen, he bears the image of me, Right. Seth bared the image of Adam. Does that make sense? Being an image bearer. That's kind of a weird phrase. I don't ever like say, hey, Mason, you are an image bearer of your father. He would say, hi. <laughs> like, he, that's kind of weird. No one ever says that. But to be an image bearer means that you made in the image of what you're bearing the image of. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's watch this video and let's tell me what y'all think. seems to me that God has put humans like an angled mirror 
in his world so that God can reflect his love and care and stewardship of the world through humans and so that the rest of the world can praise the creator through humans. And the way this comes out in many biblical passages is to see God's people I'll catch that. It says that being an image bearer is two things. is that is we're reflecting God to the earth and the earth to God. So being an image bearer means that we reflect God to the earth and the earth to God. Did y'all catch that um, sideways mirror he was talking about? If you're looking at a mirror, you say there's a mirror right here. When I look at it from this angle, I'm going to see what's over here. Right? But then over there, they're going to see what's over here as well. But a lot of times we try to think of God in image bearer as the mirrors right in front of us. And we're looking right at it. And I think what we need to do is kind of sidestep and look at an angle to say that God is using us to reflect himself to the earth. And in return, we're reflecting the earth to God. Think about that as an angled mirror. God reflects his love through humans, and the world praises God as a result of humans. God reflects his love to the earth through humanity. Yet at the same time, uh, the world gets an opportunity to praise God because of the effort, uh, because of the things that's done by humanity. Do you all see how those two are correlated there? I'll say it again. I'll say it again. So God reflects his love through humans. To the earth. Every time you love your brother, what does Jesus come and say? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Every time that we're loving our, our neighbor, we're, we're reflecting God's love to the world. At the same time, every time that we do that, the world praises God because of the love that they've received. Okay, that makes sense? So it's, they're related here. They're related here. So being an image bearer isn't, not, isn't necessarily that God looks like me right? Because we all look different and we already knocked that one out. But being an image bearer is that 
we are bearing the image of God so that the reflection of God in our life into the life of someone else causes them to worship the Lord. And so it's the dualistic properties here. He uses this cool word and he says that the human vocation, did you all catch that in the video? He said that the human vocation is to be an image bearer. See, those are a lot of big words, right? Like vocation, image bearer. Somebody just say this a little simply. So our job, our job, what God is asking us to do, another way of saying vocation, what God is asking us to do is to be like God in the world. Reflect the image of God in the world and therefore act as him. And when we do that, that we are reflecting God to the earth. We're showing the earth God. We're showing them God. If you look in 2 Corinthians, uh, I just want to, here, I'm going to read this for you guys. Um, don't go there. 2 Corinthians 5. It's like four verses, but check this out. If anyone's in Christ, he's new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a point here I want to get to, but I want to show you the whole passage. Go to the next one here. So all this is from God, who through Christ, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In a couple weeks, we're going to get here, and we're going to spend a lot of time here. This is a huge thing. It's talking about the human vocation, ministry of reconciliation. Then in us, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. Do you see that God is using us in this process? Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here we go. And it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. So the reason that the image bearer is so useful is that God is making an appeal through us to humanity. So to be an image bearer of God is that we've taken on the task of looking like God and reflecting that to society. Now, there's a couple different thoughts here that I want to say. I think the best example that we can say of what does it mean to be an image bearer of God is found in the life of Jesus. Would y'all agree with that? Jesus is the perfect image bearer of God. Um, we have an expression we sometimes say, and we say, Jesus is perfect theology. If you ever wonder, like, I wonder what it means, look at the life of Jesus. We see that Jesus is perfect theology. Um, so in John five nineteen, I want y'all to flip there real quick. This is a key verse. We look at the life of Jesus. If Jesus is perfect theology, what does John five nineteen say? Love it. John chapter five, verse nineteen. Uh, Jesus is talking with uh, some Pharisees, and uh, here's what he says to them. And really. The context of this isn't 100% crucial because he's just going to give us a truth. This verse is just a, a, a reality. This is just a true sentence. So in verse 19, it says this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. What does he say? He says that Jesus does nothing on his own, but he only does it when he sees his father doing it. In other words, Jesus does nothing on his own. He only does things when, when they're in obedience to God. 
Do y'all see that? So Jesus is only going to do things when they're in obedience to the Father. If Jesus is perfect theology, and we see in him that he's the perfect image bearer of Christ, uh, that means he is only going to do what, what Jesus, what God is asking him to do. If you look at Colossians uh, chapter 1, you guys don't necessarily have to go there. We can just throw it on the screen. But in Colossians 1, uh, Paul goes on this, I call it a rant. It's like a big paragraph of he's like talking about Jesus. And he says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Y'all see the word there? Image. So Jesus is an image bearer of God. So man is created to be an image bearer of God. And we see that perfectly fulfilled in the life of Jesus. So Jesus is an image bearer of God. How did he bear his image? In John five nineteen, the son does nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does. So he's doing what the father does. That's how he's an image bearer. He's doing what the father does. So if that is what it means to be an image bearer, then let's think about the man's original uh, design when God created us. What God originally had in mind for man. God's original design was for us to be obedient to the Father. God's original design was for man to be, to act as God acted. We're going to look at this later, but what does he say? He gives them dominion. Do you catch that over the fish and all the creepy things that creep? And he gives it to them and says, have dominion. How did you think that uh, God was asking them to rule? He was asking them to rule as he would have ruled. He's asking them to act as he would have interacted. So we're acting just as if we are God. Because we bear his image. So in Matthew 25, there's this parable. And I I put it on the screen, but I'm just going to tell you the story. Okay? So you have a parable... And Jesus tells this parable, and he says, and you guys ever started that off, he goes, the kingdom of God is like, and then he says this cool story. All right, but so the kingdom of God, interacting with God is like this. This is what it means to interact with God, okay? He says there are three people. Well, there's four. There's four people. One of them is the, the, the master, and three are employees, okay? Master's got to go away on a business trip. You know, he's got a conference, and... Uh, those three guys were entrusted with his money. And he gave 10 bucks to one guy, five bucks to another guy, and a dollar to another dude. All right? And this is the U.S. version of the story, but you all understand. So the, the guy who had $10, he went and com- he invested it and made smart trade business moves. And when the, guy, when the master comes back, he doubles his money. He says, hey, I have 20 bucks. I took care of what you asked me to do. The guy who has $5 goes out and does the exact same thing. He says, man, I have $10 now. Okay? And the guy who has a dollar um, kind of missed the whole idea. He got scared. The scripture says that he got scared because he says, I knew what you were like. I knew the kind of businessman you were, and I knew how you always wanted to uh, invest your money and take care of it. And so I got scared, uh, man, and so I just I, I dug a hole. And I buried your dollar. Um, here's your dollar. I'm sorry it smells like dirt. And hands it back to him. And it says that the master, instead of saying, you know, thank you. I'm glad you didn't, you know, spend this on a Coke or something. I'm glad you kept this. He gets mad at him. He says, man, 
Why didn't you, if you knew that I was so interested in the well-being of my, my assets, why in the world did you just not do anything? He said, so he takes the, he takes the dollar and he hands it to the one who, who had $10 originally and says, you take care of it. And he says, you should have just taken it to the bank and got interest. Bottom line is that God had entrusted something to them. The man had entrusted something to them. And, um, and they had done a, one guy had done a very poor job of managing it. Does that make sense? He had done a poor job managing it. The first guy and the second guy, when they gave the report to the master, the master said, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, so here's a little bit more. And the last guy um, actually kind of gets uh, demoted. Why do I tell that story? Why do I tell that story? Well, we see that what God has given to us, we have the opportunity to care for it. See, God has made us into the image of God. So, therefore, God is an, 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 and for those of us who have entered into a relationship with the, with the Holy Spirit, um, we have been gifted the Holy Spirit and who, who dwells within us. So, when we are acting in obedience to the Father, we are reflecting the image of God. Okay? We are, we're acting in obedience to the Holy Spirit within us. We are reflecting the image of God to the world. And I think of the story of the three guys in the, in the master because he gave them something and they either could, they could use it or they could bury it. You see, the guy who buried it didn't bury it because he didn't know what to do. He said that he knew that his master would have desired more. His knowledge was correct, but his application was, was terribly wrong, terribly wrong. See, knowing and being an image bearer of God and acting that, that slave, or I'm sorry, that employee did not act as if he were the master. He acted like a scared employee. The other guys acted as if they were the master and invested and did what he would have done. Y'all see that? He did what he would have done. And they were essentially image bearers of the master. But the third guy was scared and did not act as an image bearer, but acted as himself. And as a result, did not have the result, did not have the, the byproduct of what we were trying to accomplish. And so when we look at what it means to be an image bearer, we see that we have to act as God would in our, in all moments of the life of life. Now I want you to think about this. It says that, um, the son only does what he sees his father doing. We see Jesus is an image of that. And so Jesus is the image bearer of the father. We've got that, right? We've said that a couple of times. And so our job is to be like Jesus because if Jesus was the perfect example of what it means to be an image bearer, then our goal is to be like Jesus. But here's where we disconnect the dots. I just said, man, go be like Jesus this week. You would say, okay, I'm going to love a lot. Maybe even like uh, heal a demon possessed man. Uh, right. That's, we would go, all right, we're going to do that. But we're 100% forgetting what John 5.19 says, that he only does what he sees his father doing. He only acts in obedience to the father. That's it. So for us to act in obedience to the father, there's a reliance upon the spirit of God within us 
that is going to show us truth. What does John 16 says? It says that the, the Holy Spirit, he teaches us all things and then he guides us into truth. And so for us to be an image bearer of God means that we have to be someone who is obedient to the Spirit of God within us in all moments of life. In Genesis 3, when I talked about this last week, but when God created Adam, he said he breathed life into his nostrils, okay? That breath of life is the Spirit of God. That's, it's, our breath is a hard word for us to translate from a Hebrew to English. It really means the Spirit of God. And so when he says that he, he breathed the Spirit of God in him, the very first person who was the image bearer of God was designed to... Uh, be, he was designed to operate in obedience to the Holy Spirit. That's the very first one. So who are we right now? We are man created to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Man was created to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And so in that, that is how we are, reflect ourselves. That is how, I'm not reflect ourselves. That's how we reflect God to the world. So we are operating optimally, um, efficiently, when we are reflecting God to the world and reflecting the world back to God. We are being image bearers when we are obedient to the Spirit of God. And so we get to think about this, and I just have this really one question. And it's like, what about my image, right? It's a, this is 2019, and I love 2019, right? Kanye is Jesus now. But, like, it's 2019... And what about my image? What about me individually? Like, I totally get it. I'm not just throwing shade. I totally get it. What about me? If, you say, if I were to say, hey, you're an image bearer of God. You're like, yeah, yeah, but what about the image of John? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty cool. Uh, right? Like, we're joking, but that's a real thing. That's a real thing we think of. And so, all shade aside, how does God originally create us? He creates us to, to work at our highest functionality, to be all that he has created us to be when we are being an image bearer of God. That's when we are at our highest potential. We are functionally, functioning optimally. That's when we're doing it. And so I understand, uh, you, th- you would say, like, I want everyone to know me. I want to leave my mark, right? I want to be the, my own personal identity, let me just speak to this very quickly, and we're going to spend longer time on identity, but you will actually have the greatest expression of your personal identity when you're walking um, as an image bearer of God. The beauty that we already talked about earlier is that I look different than Alex, and I look different than Carson, and I look different than Austin, but I look different, right? Um, let alone Melina. We look very different. Uh, but so... The, the differences that we have is part of God's beauty. And the way that you are going to express your personal identity to the fullest, how God has intended for you to, isn't by you at- detaching yourself from God and, cl- and claiming this is who I am and making a statement about who you are. Right? That's what, that's what we do, right? We, de- we detach ourselves from something and make a statement of who we are. Um, but the, the way that we do it is we stay attached and we say, I'm an image bearer of God. So that means that I'm going to know myself best when I am, when I am completely focused on reflecting the image of God to the world. And I can only do that by the spirit of God. And I'm going to 
be a, the best portrayal of my specific self, my, my personal identity is going to be at its highest when I'm reflecting myself as God originally intended as my image bearer. That makes sense? Makes sense? The word image bearer is kind of confusing. But I want you all to see that that is actually how God creates us to be. I'm all about doing things efficiently and at the highest, 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 highest uh, rate of well done. Words left me there. Sorry. But, okay, I want to do things really well. I I want to do things well. And think about your life. To try and live your life and not be someone who's listening to the Holy Spirit. Guys, if, you, if you're struggling to know if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I can tell you that it's scriptural that he does. I can tell you that he's wanting to, to reveal his voice to you. And I can tell you that he will, he will speak to you through scripture. But he also will speak to you in the still small voice in your heart. And he's wanting to talk with you. And, and your obedience to him is crucial to being part of an image bearer of God. Your obedience to the Holy Spirit within you is crucial in knowing who you are. If that is something you're working through, I'll just real quickly, there's an honest prayer. God, when you speak, let me be aware of it. God, show me when you're speaking to me throughout this day. Because in the moments when I'm traveling down North Street, my moments when I'm walking between classes, when I'm in class, when I'm in the SC, I want to be aware of your spirit. Because I am desiring to be obedient to your spirit, just as Jesus was obedient to the Spirit because Jesus did everything the Father asked of him. And Jesus was a perfect image bearer of God. So I want to be exactly how you've designed me to be. I want to be that. And I know that it's not by me making a statement of who I am, but that is by, that is by me listening and being obedient to your Spirit within me. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm going to pray for us. Um, and uh, after that, we're going to have a cool video about Operation Christmas Child. Okay? So let's pray. God, help us to, um, well, first of all, oh, Lord, thank you that we were made in your image. And that is still something I'm trying to wrap my head around, Lord. Uh, but, Lord, may I reflect, may we reflect you to the world. May the world see you in us. And may that not just be like some Sunday school Christian hoorah, but may we think about that, God. Are we reflecting you to the world? God, Jesus did it by being obedient. And so, God, I want to do it by being obedient. We want to do it by being obedient. God, help me to really see, help us to really see that the best expression of personal identity is found in obedience to the Holy Spirit. God, show us that truth. Thank you for um, your scripture. And, Lord, I believe there's a lot more here. I believe there's more to it than we've even discussed today to be an image bearer. Will you open our eyes to that, Lord? Holy Spirit, it says that you guide us into all truth. Will you guide us into truth? God, I pray for the person who is doubting that the Holy Spirit speaks in here. That God, this week, may they be aware of, of the voice of the Holy Spirit. May it be clear and evident, Lord. In your name, amen.